Hello, and welcome to another episode of Power From Pain, where we feature guests with inspiring stories that heal. I'm your host, Ilona Washington, and I'm honored to have on the show, Blossom. How are you doing, Blossom? Hey, sweetie, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Can't complain. Great. It's good to hear. So um, this show is going to be possibly a little longer than um, most shows because her story is so compelling and powerful. I don't want to break it up into parts and people need to sit down and listen or watch the thing from the story from beginning to end. So grab a cup of coffee and sit back and be amazed at the transformation of Miss Blossom Rogers. So Blossom, um, how old was your mom when she had you? My mom's was 16. She was 17, because I was 16 when I had my first time. So she was 17 when she had me, you know what I'm saying? And uh, it, uh, back then, you know, um, my great-grandmother raised her because my mother's mother was living in New York. Um, um, and I just want people to know that I'm telling my story. Um, some, you know, sometimes when I speak, you know, some people say, well, she shouldn't talk about that, you know, but I have to be transparent in order for somebody to be delivered from my story. You know, we got so many women that's still out there that's holding on to secrets, but I want y'all to know we just as sick as our secrets. Amen. And um, I tell people all the time, when you when you tell your story like you're about to tell your story when i tell my story we we don't tell our parents story or our abuser story we're telling how their behavior impacted us so we're right. not telling their story because for real we don't know why they did what they did you know and all of that other stuff we don't have the background for that we can only tell you definitively no lie that he did this she said that so this is this is what you're going to do and i'm glad that you you started your story off that way because a lot of people don't really get that no no and it's and when god blessed me to write my books because i'm the author of, of four books from under bridge one from under bridge two and they laugh and when they laugh and i used to live under a bridge in the back seat of my car 16 years ago um one thing i could say is God had to teach me how to forgive my abuser. The forgiveness is not for them, y'all, it's for us. Because we, as long as we keep holding on to ill feelings, now I'm not gonna say I don't, thoughts don't come back in my mind to things that happen, because I'll be lying to you. But God has taught me how to change it so I won't go back to my old behavior. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and I'm sure that my, my stepfather didn't grow up saying he wanted to molest a child. We have to remember that a seed was planted, you know? No, I'm not defending the, the acts that was done to me, uh, trying to brush it off, but I just want y'all to know that we all have done something that we were not proud of, you know? Um, Talk about it. Yeah, and then God, God had teach me how to forgive myself. You know, maybe I didn't sexually or physically abuse my boys, but mentally I put them through 
abuse because I was in and out of prison and jail right. and all that stuff. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I want to put that out there, you know. Okay. Um, so mm -hmm. we're gonna we're gonna catch everyone up. So you were raised by your great grandmother. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, um, you had your first incidents of um, sexual abuse or assault there. How old were you? I was five years old. And I remember I was playing in the hallway because my great grandmother didn't let me play outside with other kids. So I used, I used to have a tin car that paddled. So I had to go up and down the hall. And I remember stopping, my great grandmother used to have borders. And I remember uh, one of them was laying in the middle bedroom on the bunk bed. and um, he called me over and he asked me that I want to kiss his worm. Well, you know, back then when I was coming up, if a if a grown up told you to do something, you you didn't you didn't tell them no. Like some of these kids, you know, yeah. you know, we we we, I think we feared our parents back back then because if the next door neighbor came and told your grandma or your mama you did something wrong, you got a beat right then and there, and you better not call nobody a liar. Yeah. Um, was that good? Yeah, but then in a sense, it wasn't because I held on to secrets because grownups told me not to tell nobody, you know what I'm saying? So we had to be careful because little children, girls and boys are still going through molestation. Right, right. So, right, and you telling your story is helping. So um, that had happened and then you went to live with your mom later and then she married. Right, my mom, when she was young, she had me at at first, then she had my sister next to me, and then she married my stepfather. So her being able to find a man to marry her, and she already had two kids out of wedlock, was something big back then. Um, that's the way I look at it. Um, you know, we have to remember too that we have generational curses that go on. So if somebody hasn't dealt with their issues, they can't help you with your issues. And that's what I feel like God has raised me up to break that generational curse when it comes to the women's side of my family. Um, it was a big that he married her, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, that's how I have to look at it. Did she have any kind of idea? I've had a lot of people ask me. I, I want to say yes, but- She had an idea of what, Blossom? What I was going through. Um, do you, you know think, well, let's, let's let the people know like what you were going through. Um, I was going through sexual molestation. Um, and I want somebody to hear me too, just because they don't enter you, if they're fondling you, touching you any kind of way and telling you not to tell, that's a form of molestation. Anytime an adult touches a child in an inappropriate area or have them doing things, we have to call it for what it is. It's wrong. It's, it's wrong because you no, know, you have older women talking about, oh, he didn't mean that he was drunk when he did it. I've always been taught if a drunk, a drunk mind speak with a sober mind, you know what I'm saying? So, um, I, 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 part of me thinks that she knew I was going through it. Then the other part, like, no, she couldn't have known about it, but have you ever but, asked her? I, you know, not asked her, did I, did she know, but I've, I've, Talk to her. She has told me that she believes me, but um, some parts of me still it was little things that would be said, like when I got pregnant at an early age. You know, um, I remember her saying to me that they saying this Willie's on, which was my stepdaddy, and I told her no. So that's what made me think that 
she kind of knew. Knew, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But what what helps me not to have no ill feelings? Because, like I said, it was a generational curse. She hadn't dealt with her stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, and somebody probably said, well, if she knew about it, she should have did something. You can't, you don't know what the person would do when they're in that predicament. You know what I'm saying? Um, am I ill towards her? No, because she's become my best, my best supporter now. Uh, when the, in the beginning, uh, it was no, she wanted to spit fire on me and I wanted to spit fire on her because when I was young, I was like, don't she know this going on? You know, and I remember when my stepfather said to me one time, um, he had touched me and I said, I'm going to tell mama when she come home. And he laughed and he said, she ain't going to believe me. And that's what happened, you know, so. Um, so can you, can you give us just some background into what you were going through? When you were, let's see, how old were you? Like you said, 11 through 15? About 11 or 12, you know, when it's the fondling start, when I knew that it was wrong, because it could have been going on before that. Um, you know, as a little girl, you know, you said, can you give me some candy? I want some candy. You know, older men, they 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 prowl on little children. I got some candy, come sit on my lap. I got some chain. So That's all that, you know, all that kind of stuff was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, my little mind was thinking about getting some candies or some money to go get some candy, you know. Um, so I think it, it could have been going on before that, or it could not. I'm just saying the time that I remember. Mm-hmm. I was about 11 or 12 years old when I knew that the touching part was not, not supposed to be being done. But when, when the child, I remember him telling me one time, it was just him and I in the car, we were going to get my mother's glasses. And I remember him telling me, you got some pretty legs. And I said, I know they told me, you know, but as a child, you, you know, we, they don't, ha- we didn't have the freedom like the kids have now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They told us stuff, but they didn't tell us stuff. You know what I'm saying? So like I said, and it's all because of God that I'm thinking like this now, because 16 years ago, I didn't think like this. I was, I want to defend and prove. But for anybody who's listened to my story, what kept me out there up on the bridge on crack for 19 years, being an alcoholic was because I was trying to defend and prove. Today, God has taught me as so, long as God, uh-huh. Yeah, so they don't, so they don't know your story. I know your story, but they don't okay. know your story. So okay. you're at, so you're um, at 15 um, you know what's wrong. You try to talk back and say you're gonna tell. He laughs at you. You get right. pregnant at 16, and then what happens then? Um, thinking that the guy was gonna take me away from that. As we know, um, a, a baby don't keep a man. Um, now don't get me wrong. I still was in sports. I still was in sports, but I, 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 I guess I was just blocking it out because, like I said, I was not um able to tell anybody. You know, um. Getting pregnant at the age of 16, you know, that was a big, that was a big, uh, you know, shameful thing back then anyway, but I want something to my own. I want something to love me because once you go through molestation, um, you, you lose your childhood. You, you, did you get pregnant on purpose? Yes, I did. I did because I want something to love. And I wanted, you know, when your childhood is taken away from you, you just want to fit in somewhere. And, and, I, and I, I thought if I had a baby that the guy would take me away from this and we'll live happily ever after. You know how you see cartoons and all that kind of it stuff? Didn't no, it didn't happen. And what was life like at home? Um, because he, the father didn't um, 
do what he was supposed to have done. My mom, them, they took my baby from me. Um, so you got to remember now I done had my childhood taken from me. I done had my child taken from me. You know, what else going to be taken from me? You know what I'm saying? Um, how, did, how did you respond to that? What did you do? I was hurt. Um, until And still to this day, you know, if they would just tell, I know my sons, we'll get to that part, but I felt empty. I, I just, I felt empty. I felt uh, ashamed um, because it was said to me that I, I was the fault that uh, I had tried to seduce my stepfather at the age of 11, 12. And look, I'm 55 years old. I don't even know how to spell the word seduce now. So I know I didn't do it that back then. And one thing I'd like you to know too, it's okay to laugh because when you laugh, you know that you've been healed. I used to couldn't tell my story without crying and going, you know, going to get high. But today all is well, It all is well. And you can't, I tell my story, but I don't dwell on my story. You know, I don't use my story as a crutch. Um, so I tell Mm-hmm. So um, you were feeling, you know, down and depressed and, you know, that taking your, your child away from you. Um, how did you end up living under a bridge? Oof. Okay. Well, I got married uh, at the age of 18. The okay. guy said he, he was in the army. I said, oh, money, travel. I can get away from home. And um, I just knew, I said, you know, I get married and everything going to be all right. That, that relationship became uh, abusive, you know, because he was a military man, and I didn't know nothing about being married. Um, and I didn't know that when once you get married that you can't talk to other guys because I had seen so much in my childhood where adultery was going on. I thought that was normal, you know. Um, and then uh, once we separated, I got pregnant from an, uh, another guy. So I have three sons at this time. I'm 23 years old. Okay. Hadn't graduated from school. All I knew was just to excuse my lane, lay on my back. That's, that's all I knew. Okay. Um, at this time, like I said, just trying to fit in. Um, just like you got a square and you're trying to put that circle in there, it's not going to fit. I don't care how you curve it, how you turn it, it's not going to fit. Mentally, I wasn't stable. You know what I'm saying? I had thought about suicide back then at a young age. Um, and I had became a people pleaser, which is very dangerous. Um, most because abuse, you know, Most abuse survivors are people pleasers because we've been trained to do whatever they tell us to do. And then once they stop abusing us, we don't know how to turn that behavior off. So we feel right. like we have to do, 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 do to get some type of love or attention or affection. And you hit it right on the head. I never thought about that. You hit that right on the head because we done went through the abuse when you're not going through it no more. What am I, what am I supposed to do now? You're trained. You're, yeah. you're trained to just be yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And I used to think, and I don't think like this now, I used to think if the guy didn't beat me, he didn't love me. You know, so I, um, that's the sick part, but I don't want nobody to ever feel they have to stay in a, a, a violent relationship. We, we don't have to do it, but it's a, it's a training process yep. because that, that's what I was thinking about. You know, I had been touched and pawned and roped so much. What do I do now? Do I, and I used to make the guys, so make them mad so they could 
beat me. I, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's what I it did. Makes per- it makes perfect sense. So mm-hmm. our stories are, um, we both started off with abuse. You know, at, I started at 5'2". Um, I was never physically abused, but my people pleading became because I was groomed to have sex. Like one mm-hmm. of my, my worst abuser, um, I call him the monster. He told me at nine or 10, if a boy wanted to have sex with you, you're supposed to let him. So I'm getting, I don't know. I have like more than 10 sexual partners before I'm 10 years old. So mm-hmm. by the time I moved from New Jersey to DC, I still have that message in my head. Mm-hmm. So for me, if mm-hmm. a guy doesn't want to have sex with me, something's wrong with mm-hmm. me. So I have to right. I have sex with me in order to feel like I'm, I'm worthy. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I'm worthy. So you that, went through the same thing, but the with same thing. Right. The same thing. Abuse is abuse. You understand me? People try to category. Oh, he, he just touched you, girl. But it's a touch that you'll never forget. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, um, like I said, then after um, I had the baby from the other guy um, and then I ended up meeting another guy that was on crack cocaine. And I, you know what? I, I He was going with an older lady and I was like, I'm going to take him. Shoot, I got you. You better be careful about trying to take somebody else's man because you think it's green on this side, but you lift it up, it's muddy. You know what I'm saying? Stop. It say, don't touch, don't, don't touch your neighbor's stuff. That, and I was wrong for that. But, but I, but I do want to say, um, when it came to the crack cocaine, him coming, beating me, nobody couldn't tell me that he didn't love me. Now I had black eyes. I had big lips. I, I was messed all up, but that was love to me. You know what I'm saying? Um, question. Mm-hmm. You meet this guy, he's with an older woman, and you take him from the older woman, he starts to physically abuse you? Right. So when did he introduce you to crack? Because when I found, when I finally, finally knew that he was on crack, I had heard it, but I didn't actually see it. When I finally did it, uh, notice and find out that he was on crack, I remember it was uh, the Isley brothers were uh, coming to Daytona Beach to do a concert. And I had saved up money for us to go to the concert. And then this time, I know he was, you know, he wanted, he wanted to get high. I said, well, if you show me, we could spend the money. Now, I want people to realize he didn't want to show me. I made him show me how to smoke crack because I wanted to fit into his world. There I go again, was trying to be a people pleaser, okay? And um, that's how I got introduced to smoking crack cocaine. And what I want people to know is, it's a route to why we get high and drink. I'm also a recovering alcoholic because I start. I took my first drink at the age of five. You know, my great grandmother was raised that if a child had wingworms, you give them beer to kill the wingworms. Well, as we know, it didn't kill wingworms, but that was called my medicine. You know, um, Coke 45. You know, some kids will fall in love with a horse in a merry-go-round or in a parade. I fell in love with a horse on a can of Coke 45. So I'm also a uh, recovering alcoholic. So I don't drink. Now I have some friends that can drink and put something, put it down, but I'm not one of them. So whatever's good for you is good for you. And what's good for me is good for me. That's the way we have to roll thing. Um, So that's the first, that's the book number one. Okay. With the molestation, um, with getting pregnant at an early age, 
um, getting married at an early age and getting on crack cocaine. That's book number one. And how old were you when you um, took your first hit? I was 23 going on 24 because I had three sons. Okay. And so mm -hmm. um, what did your life look like after that? You know what? It, I'm not sorry for nothing I've been through because it's made me the woman I am now. Mm -hmm. um, and everything we go through, it may not feel good, but it's working for our good. Um, I became an unfit mother instantly. I became a prostitute instantly. Hold up. Became, you, were with the, you were still with the man, though. Right. And right. So you knew you were prostituting? When, when he would give, if, if I was begging him for a piece of crack, I had to do something. So that's still a form of prostitution. Oh, so you were not on the street. You were not just, yet. Okay. That's just a yet. Not okay. yet. Um, and then he, the violence became real, real violent when, when uh, we started smoking. Because, you know, if you get to that point with watching each other, or you trying to hide some dope, you know, or you trying to do this and you trying to do that. Um, and then he felt bad that he had got me on crack, but I wanted to get, I wanted to fit into his world. So it, I don't blame him to this day. Um, after the abuse, as I got tired of getting beat by him because the beatings had gotten, he broke my nose one time. And once the last time he hit me was he tried to uh, pluck my eyeball out with a pair of scissors. So I went through some, some beatings. I, I got some scars on the outside and I had some scars on the inside, but by the grace of God, since I've been telling my story, the scars are disappearing on the inside. Um, I started going with different guys. Oh, um, but I had I had got to the point where, and this, this might sound harsh, but I had got to the point where my kids had gotten away with me smoking crack. And I'm just being honest, you know what I'm saying? Because you know, you have a lot of people talk, oh, I was a good mama. Well, I wasn't. I, I wasn't. Um, and I thank God that my mother and my great grandmother stepped in and raised my boys that they didn't have to go into no foster care. You know, um, am I ashamed of it? No, not at all. Um, would I change that part? Yeah, but I thank God they raised them because anything could have happened because I was being careless. I was bringing different men in and different women and somebody could have molested them because of my carelessness. You know what I'm saying? So um, that, that's, that's, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? So um, very so you, first time. You had ended the relationship with the guy at this yeah. time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I had to run from him. I really did. And um, I started going with some uh, Jamaicans. You know, they had moved into our town. They was moving a lot of drugs and everything. And um, I was trying to act like I was just, you know, the, the Jamaicans didn't want girlfriends that smoked dope, you know? So Back then, I had a little shape, girl. You know, you couldn't tell me nothing. I, and I had gold in my mouth, so I was smiling. So I had got one of the big drug dealers. So, you know, he started dressing me and started drawing me, but I still was smoking undercover. The worst kind of addict is a functioning addict, okay? Uh, that's one who can smoke all day long and still go to work, still maintain like nothing's going on. So why do you say they're the worst? Because they never hit rock bottom. Until, until I had hit rock bottom, that's when I knew it was time to, to make a change. And so you would say that applies to any type of addict, like a gambling addict too? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody that can fuck, because even when I was working in nursing homes and had big positions, mm-hmm. I at, when four o'clock hit, I was flying out the uh, parking lot, going to the first corner I saw, bought my crack, bought my alcohol, and was up to about one or two o'clock in the morning, take a shower, get dressed, and walk into the office like it was nothing. You know what I'm saying? That was that's the date because no consequences hadn't came yet. You understand me? We're gonna keep on, you know. I have a I, I tell a lot of people I like smoking crack. I like the everything about it, the fast life, the the different men, different women, all that. But I didn't like the consequence that came with them. Until you have some consequences, then you will stop doing what you that keep bringing you the same. That's just like a relationship. You keep on going with this man and he beating you. You're gonna keep on beating him unless until you move out. I mean, until you want to make a change. That's like with a job. You're gonna keep. You've got a boss that's always on just pickering, pickering. When you get tired, you'll be putting the application in somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? It's different consequences with different things. So, so let me take you back. So you were with this drug dealer. You were um, smoking on his DL. Mm-hmm. No, did he ever find out? No. No, he never. And I, it, I was, you know what? I was so slick. I was a, I was a hustler out there. The one thing about me, if I'm, if you know, I don't like to be around people who say I'm fitting to do this. First of all, how do you spell fitting? Either you're going to do it or you're not, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, look, I'm in Tennessee and everybody fitting to do something fitna. around here. I mean, either you're going to do it or you're not. I, I don't, I used to be in, we all be like in a big room and everybody's smoking. Mm-hmm. The dope ran out, but everybody's sitting there pushing the stem, talking about, right, I'm going to go out here and make this lit. We still sitting there with dry stem, ain't nobody moving to do nothing. So I was the type, like, let's, let's go out there and get it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, I, and then, you know, I was selling for him on the side, but I knew how to pop and, and cut the dope where it didn't even look like it had been touched. So that's why he knew he didn't know that I was smoking on the side. So hold up. How did you get all these skills? Because you weren't raised like this. You get out there in that street, the street's going to teach you. You know, that's why I tell people. Sometimes, like you got all them pretty books behind you, you can be book smart, but it's best to be street smart too. You understand me? Yeah. Um, because I, being out there in the streets, I used to send people out there with my money when I didn't want nobody to know I was smoking. I would send them out there with $100 or they come back with these small pieces. I was like, that's all I get until I went out there for myself and seeing, I said, oh, they've been, they've been, they've been getting me all this time. You know what I'm saying? That's what made me get out there real strong and real wild because people will take advantage of you and and not in just getting high, but just in life period. If you don't know who you are and who you belong to, I know who I am. I am a child of God and I belong to God. You got to know what you know, what you know, because if not, they'll run circles around. And it's the same thing in business. You know, you might trust somebody to, let's say, publish your book. But if you don't understand the formatting and how it should go and how it should look and they publish this mess, you're like, oh, my gosh, I paid you for this. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. So like I said, you got to, you got to, and I'm not knocking nobody who's book smart. I'm not knocking that, but you got to have some street smart and the streets taught me, but you know what? It was also training me for what God wants me to do now. You know, right. what I'm saying? like with, like with David, when he was out there, 
he was out there killing tigers and bears and all. So when the Goliath came, that wasn't nothing. You know what I'm saying? So he was being trained back then. So right. okay, that's what. Yeah. So you were um with the drug dealer, and so did you start working during the day? Is this when your nursing home career started? Yep, I, I was working. Um, well, now the nursing home and everything came afterwards. Um, we got busted October the seventh, nineteen eighty eight. I had four sales and delivery and four uh, possessions. Well, we had sold to undercover cop. Um, and it was, a, it, was a, it was like 12 of us that got busted that day. So that was my very first time getting in trouble. So I had um, got probation and, and I took the dumbest sentence because I didn't know nothing about the law. Mm-hmm. I just let them give me what they wanted to give me. So they gave me two years community control with 15 years probation, you know, which was a dumb charge, I mean, uh, sentence to take because I had never been in trouble. But you know, when you in jail, you listen to them jailhouse lawyers, the same people who got a jumpsuit on like you. Girl, you better take that. <laughs> so, like you said, make sure you know what you're doing. Now, I knew about the drugs and things, but I ain't know nothing about the law. Mm-hmm. So, um, my very first time, that's when I encountered with the homosexual lifestyle. And I want to speak on that because that spirit is taking over rapidly. Um, we're not, you know, you have people saying I was born like this. No, we're not born like that. It's a choice of lifestyle that we want to live. Because I had been molested and been raped by so many men, I thought going with a woman was better. And back then, I was so messed up in the mind that I would have married her back then. But I want people to know that it was God who delivered me. You know, you, that's the spirit that you got to have God. You got, you, you got to have God when it comes to that. Um, so, am I ashamed about, mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't, we don't have to, we don't have to um, go, go into, um, into that part of your story. The plus is in your book, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. So we'll say something for the book. We'll say something. Okay. Okay. okay gosh. <laughs> All right. So tell me about um, when you started getting this job and how you were finessing um, drinking and crack and then just being this excellent employee. Like, I need to know how that's, how that works. Because when we're, when we're on drugs, we become actors and actresses. You got to act the part to be able to get the drugs. You know what I'm saying? Addicts are some very intelligent people. So, um, I had, and I'm the kind of person that if you um, you show me, I catch on just like that. So I had a young lady who trained me in the uh, medical department, you know, a, a ward clerk. So I was, uh, you know, ordering the meds and 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 keeping up with the time. Um, and I just would just dress up, go to work like it wasn't nothing. But I was smoking. I was smoking every night, having parties. I would stop about two o'clock in the morning, take my shower, uh, put my outfit on and walk into the nursing home like it wasn't nothing. Um, And I was going that strong and that hard because I was a functioning addict. I wasn't getting no consequences then. Now I had already been to jail, but I wasn't getting no consequences then. And then I I I knew how to clean myself up. I knew how to play the part, you know, I worked around a lot of Caucasians and doctors. So, you know, I couldn't go into talking ignorant and slur. You know, I made sure that my breath didn't smell, smell like alcohol or 
Uh, I kept eye drops for my eyes, you know, and, and I always was the class, I was the class clown coming, so I made people laugh and they liked to be around me. So I was putting on a show. So question, if someone is at work, I know we're in quarantine, but some people are working face-to-face. -face. How could, what are the, you did all of that, right? But mm -hmm. were there still signs? Like, is there, like, if I go into the office next week, could I be able to pinpoint somebody who's masking some sort of um, alcohol or drug abuse? Um, yeah, if you see somebody who's giggling a lot, okay? Or um, like, if they're, I, like if they're snuffing their nose, you know, they probably could say, oh, my, my sinuses are bothering me, okay? Mm -hmm. um, with somebody smoking crack, you look at their fingertips uh, because when they're flicking the lighter, it, it roughens up. So it's little signs and stuff. Um, alcoholics don't always have gum in their mouth or uh, they're not going to let you come up too close to them, especially with vodka. Vodka don't pay off too. So, you know, it, it's like that. You have people on the job. We used to go and like do our lunch break. We'll go do the, do the little happy hour and then come on back. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's a way. But an uh, addict knows an addict. If you've never done drugs, you, you wouldn't be able to pick it up. You know what I'm saying? It's we we know our kind. Okay, so I wouldn't be able to pick it up. Not at all. Okay. okay. So can you tell us how did you end up living under a bridge? I had played all my cards. You know, I had got to the point where I was a stealing and and um, I was I was doing everything out there but slept with an animal, and that was just to get because if the drug boy said, Blossom, I'd give you a half ounce of cocaine to sleep with that dog. I would have. That's how bad I had got on crack. I was smoking five to $600 a day. Um, people couldn't trust me. And, 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 and it's sad to say, that's why my family didn't want me around because I was a thief. Um, had got into prostitution. Uh, I was out there helping, being a driver when they were going to stores and booths. Um, I had got out there and and did I got out there real bad um, until I didn't have nowhere to go but to sleep in my car. So it was a bridge in my hometown, and when I didn't have money for a hotel or I couldn't find nobody to uh, you know trick with, I would just pull my car up on the bridge and go in the back seat and go to sleep. So um, I, one thing I can say: never, no one ever touched me or bothered me while I was sleeping out there because this area was a fishing area. And it was always somebody out there. And um, I just it got to the point where I didn't want to live sometime, you know, because I hadn't started um, being institutionalized. I hadn't been to prison. My prison number is 589931. I had that number for the rest of my life. I had been to so many rehabs. Um, I had been to jail so many times. And like I said, I just couldn't be trusted. Um, I, would I would I change anything? No, because in order to be able to help the next person, I have to have went through. Yeah, and you have to own it. every single part of your story. Yeah, yeah, yep, yes. So, like I said, I still have the clothes that I had on that night. The God when God called me at the crack house, and I had joined the church, but I backslid. And you know, I don't know why people said when I found Jesus. Jesus was never lost. I was the one that was lost, you know what I'm saying? 
and I had to taste the goodness of the Lord and seeing how good it was. And then I backslid because I hadn't worked on the issue, what was bothering me. So, so let's, so let's start there. So you hit your rock bottom. What was your rock bottom? Living on the bridge in the backseat of the car and you- alone, alone. I remember one night I was in the backseat and I kept hearing the cars go across the bridge. And I remember saying them people up there living and I'm down here dying. And what it was, everybody got a bridge. Your bridge might not be mine and mine might not be yours, but we all got a bridge. I was so, I was ashamed how people were talking about me. I was ashamed of myself. I was ashamed that I was an unfit mother. So I needed to come from up on that bridge and live. You know, I was involved with a guy who was HIV. And by the grace of God, I don't have AIDS or HIV. Now he passed away 10 years ago due to complications. But you know, you have people talking about, they always want to make things so scientific. Or your, your immune system was so, no, that was the blood of Jesus that covered me. Um, so I remember I was in a crack house in Daytona and the girl came in there to give me another hit of crack. But I had a piece of paper and a pencil and I was writing God when she came in. And I stopped writing, she gave me the crack. I said, next time you see me, I'll be clean and sober. And she laughed. And I want people to remember that there's two kinds of laughter. Are they laughing with us or at us? You know? Um, and I kept smoking. You know, you have a lot of people talking about, you need to get rid of the crack? No, because God was still in control. He's still in control. He covered me all the time that I should have been uncovered. And I remember taking that piece of paper and that pencil and I put it in my purse and I walked out that crack house and I checked myself into the hospital, the mental hospital where I used to always go. And I told them, I said, don't let me go. I said, because I had to start a robbery. Somebody was going to kill me. I was going to kill them. Okay. That's how bad I had got. Yeah. And so they took, they told me they were doing my intake. And she said, Blossom, are you willing to be relocated? See, I have a lot of friends back home that was able to get clean sober in our hometown, but I wasn't one. Go right back. Yeah. Go right back. So God sent me to Miami. That's where I went to, got my recovery. Because the things that I did in my hometown, they killed me down there. You know, um, when you get to that point where you feel like you're untouchable, you just hit a dangerous spot then. And that's why I had started feeling like I was Scarface, you know? Um, and I wanted something different. I wanted something different. So when you want better, you're going to, have to do better. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, I have four questions that I ask all of my guests. So mm-hmm. we're going to start with your story there because you have four books and we don't want to give it <laughs> And I'm pretty sure what you said was just the tip of the iceberg. The in your tip book. of it. <laughs> Go get the book. I want to I want to ask you Blossom what is your superpower God and knowing that he's forgiven me and that I've forgiven myself is God beautiful and what would you like to tell anyone who's gone through or is going through what you endured you're gonna have to get real when when I could be real with Blossom I could be real with you you, you we, we can't be hold it on to the stuff. We can't be phony about it because when we're phony, we're just out there just going around in circles. So you got to get real. Now, take off the band-aid and, and feel the feeling. That's what we be, that's what we be doing, trying to master the, the hurt. But you got to snatch that band-aid off and let it heal because if you keep the band-aid it's not healing right. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to have to take that band-aid, remove the band-aid and feel. So you have four books. 
um, your speaker. I know um, Creflo Dollar had the honor of interviewing you a few years back. So I want to ask, what's next for you? Ah, uh, well, right now, um, God bless me. Um, I went before Habitat four years ago and was asking them, could they build me a home for women that want to stay clean? So because I'm a nonprofit organization. Well, they couldn't build it, but God touched their heart. They gave me some land. So I have my land, my blueprint, my building permit. I've been approved by God in the city. We get to house six women, instead of three women. And now we're in the process of trying to raise the money to get this home built. Um, God has blessed me. I've gotten a movie deal. So we're in the process with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my, my, I'm not a millionaire yet. I'm going to be a millionaire and I want to build homes all over for women and children because uh, I have a company which is called Tears from Under a Bridge and that home will be for women and children. Uh, because you know, when I was up on that bridge, I dropped so many tears. So, um, and I just want to stay transparent to be able to go, my dream, my passion is to go around the world telling my story. Now that we're in this uh, pandemic and everything, God's still opening up platforms like yours and allow me to still tell my story. So, and I just ask that God show you favor for being obedient and allowing me to come and share this platform. And, and that's what it is, just just because when I, when I can keep it real, that keeps me clean and sober. If I ever stop doing what I need to do, I'll be back up on the bridge, you know what I'm saying? So I, I don't pay for the, play with them people, places, and things because I love staying clean and sober. I, I, I love it. So just staying real. Good, thank you. And final question, when all is said and done with your time on this earth, how would you like to be remembered? Um, that she was the woman that took me from up under my bridge. Um, just sharing, because I, you know, you got so many people that remember, girl, you remember when you used to do this? Yeah, that's what I used to do with the first part of my life. But the latter years, I wanted to be able to help every woman and child, even guys. I've, I've ministered to guys. And they've told me that they've been through the same thing, like what I've been through, you know, molestation. Mm-hmm. And I think it's powerful when a man tells you that because men don't like to talk about that kind of stuff. But when you, when God allows a man to come and say, Ms. Blossom, I just want to thank you for sharing your story. You're doing something. It's not, it's not my glory. It's God's glory. You know what I'm saying? So I thank God that he chose me for such a time as this. I thank God he chose you too. He equipped you with everything you need to make it to the other side and help people. God be the glory. God be the glory. Thank you so much. Um, So welcome. So thanks for joining us for this episode of Power From Pain. If you have feedback on today's story, comment below or email me directly. I'd love to hear from you. Make sure to subscribe so you can join us again for another incredible story. And don't forget to subscribe to my email list for even more inspiration. Links and email addresses for the show and today's guests can be found in the show notes. Thanks again, stay safe, and be well.